I wanted to do an advert for Anchor. This is the app that I'm actually using to do every episode of Analogy of the Sun. It's super freaking easy. Uh, it's also free. So couldn't get any better than that. If I can use this and I'm able to like put stuff on Spotify and all that, then you definitely can. If you've ever thought of just having a podcast for fun, like what I'm doing, then I would definitely suggest that you download Anchor now and they actually will upload it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and things of that nature or those type of apps for you. Again, it's completely free. There's no minimum listenership that you have to have. Everything you need in one place to make a podcast. It is amazing. So if you've ever thought about having a podcast at all, just for fun, or possibly to add to your work or your business, then please go ahead and download Anchor today. Hello, and welcome to the Analogy of the Sun podcast. My name is Jenny, and this is going to be the second episode in the series about Tim Curry. I'm actually going to be doing this uh, episode on the last, uh, one of the films I mentioned in the last episode of Rocky Horror. This is going to be about the movie Legend. Um, This is such a big deal movie to me that I'm just going to do it on, I'm going to do one episode on that movie because it was such a pivotal movie for me as a child until my teens, until um, my young adult years, and even today. I literally just watched this movie again about six months ago, and I've watched it before that, probably a couple months prior to that. I've watched that movie so many times that I could probably sit down and recite every line while watching it, if not close to every line. It's a, I think it's just because it is such a good story on good versus evil, you know, in like the, the beginning of the movie, there is kind of almost a Star Wars like introduction to the story. It's very similar to the intro of Star Wars where it is a, they kind of get you up to speed on what's going on with, you know, a typography going <laughs> Uh, so it can kind of bring you up to speed on because you're slapped right in the middle of what's going on in the middle. It's the beginning, but you're kind of slapped into these characters lives and you have no idea if there was no intro, you could kind of get an idea of what was going on, but it kind of is a very good briefing before you get into the story. So it just kind of explains that there are these two people, you know, you have Satan essentially, which they call him darkness in in the movie, which every time now, thanks Dave Chappelle, but every time now I see that, I call him Satan because I can't call him darkness because every time I hear darkness, it reminds me of Dave Chappelle doing the, um, uh, what's his name? Damn it. (laughs) Doing, um, the whole thing with, you know, darkness and Charlie Murphy and all of that. I can't say darkness without hearing him say, talking about Charlie Murphy. So, um, it's darkness and Satan. And essentially it is this land. It kind of, it kind of takes place. It wants to kind of seem like it's medieval, almost maybe medieval slash kind of going into Victorian times, especially with the dress and all of that. 
and the nights and things of that nature. So it is kind of alluding to that time frame. I don't think it actually gives you, I don't believe it actually gives you a time or date of when this takes place because it also, it, it's not realistic because there are unicorns involved and there are fairies and a lot of things like that to where, and there's like, you know, goblins and witches. So it's not realistic, right? So it's not going to be like, oh, this is, this is taking place in 1423. It it doesn't make any sense to say that. So the story is of a girl who touches a unicorn supposedly. And I think that's highly up for debate because I don't see her touch the unicorn. I see her trying to touch the unicorn, but the goblin is the one who's trying to gain the unicorn horn because darkness sends them out to do his bidding because he needs the horn because it has so much power to it and will give him ultimate power, ultimate reign over the entire world if he receives that unicorn horn. So they have to kill the unicorn to get the horn from him, obviously, because um, a unicorn or a horse is not going to allow you to take something off of them without you killing it first. So she's trying to touch the unicorn, but Jack thinks that her touching it is what caused this whole entire mess, which in reality, that is not what happened. She did not touch the unicorn. The goblin actually has a dart that he spits or throws or, you know, blows a a blow dart at the unicorn that's tipped in poison that ends up killing the unicorn, which then they can take the horn from the unicorn. She did not fucking touch the unicorn. So I don't want to hear anyone say that to me ever again. (laughs) You obviously did not watch the movie. So it kind of just takes place of the fall of humanity or civilization within that small amount of time because the unicorn one of the unicorns has died and now the horn is being taken taken and so they're on their way to produce this for or for to satan um and that's how it kind of takes place and that's the whole thing of it now tim curry in this movie is magnificent mag fucking magnificent he is not only is he perfect for this because of his voice, because of that that very signature, almost unworldly type laugh that he possesses, his whole demeanor is just glorious. He, I don't think, they, they, there's no way in hell he could have gotten anyone else, especially in the time frame when that movie was, was produced and written and uh, released could they have found anyone else to do what he did maybe possibly Jeremy Irons maybe um because Jeremy Irons also has that very and I love Jeremy Irons too he's got that very same English accent voice deep verbato like verbato that makes you very intrigued with what they have to say it's like oh you sound way smart (laughs) you sound much smarter than me and they could just be spitting the worst word salad on the planet but for them to speak you're just like holy shit you are hella smart bro i'm gonna listen to everything you have to say so he was the best choice by far uh, especially in that time frame so it's just, it's so, it's such a captivating movie, not only because it's Tim Curry, not only because of the time frame that it's actually, you know, presented in, not only because of the, the costuming that, that took place for this movie, but if you look at the, the year it came out, which I believe was 80, 86, it's, and I'm sorry, I did not do a lot of research for this episode. I really just wanted to talk about it because it's, it really is such a, it holds such a place in my heart 
because the movie is so fabulous. And yes, people watch it and are like, I really don't understand why you like it so much. Again, it, that probably has something to do with the fact that I was so mesmerized by it as a child that it was something that I had never seen before. Just like a lot of people love Star Wars, the older the older movies, and some people are like, why the hell would you like this? Like, it doesn't, it, it makes no sense. There's no, like, there's not much linear concepts in the storyline. Like, why would you? It just goes all over the place. It makes no sense. Yeah, it probably doesn't. But to me, it's fan-fucking-tastic. It is glorious. It's, it was transcendent in so many ways in my small, childlike mind and perception of what the world was. And so to me, even today, it is still very transformative because it takes me back to a place where I was learning so much as a child. So to see something like this in a, that I was already given and I wasn't given a, I, how can I say this? When you're a child, you think the world is all good and beautiful and wonderful. I mean, it doesn't take much to fill up the cup that is faith of, you know, good faith as a child. It doesn't take much for you because you don't know a lot. You're, you're not yet jaded and beaten down by the travesty of life yet. You're not there yet. So when you see something that is in the branch of the macabre, let's say, it's very interesting to you because you haven't really lived through those, those, you know, types of trial, trials and tribulations of life that has beaten you down. So when you see something that's quote unquote dark, it's very intriguing. It's very intriguing because you don't understand it. You understand fairies and lollipops and rainbows and unicorns because you're a child. Those things are glorious and beautiful and, and they mean positivity and they, they mean that, you know, you can skip hand in hand with everyone in the world and everything will be fine and you can sleep at night. No one's going to try to hurt you and you'll get up in the morning and you'll always wake up in the morning and you'll always have a great day. That's what those things mean. So when a movie comes around when you're young and it's like this, this beautiful man who actually represents the evil of the world is very like, it's intimidating. He, he, he did a good job because Satan is supposed to be someone who can lure you into the darkness of life. Right. And Tim Curry can do all of that. And then some. So it was very temptation-like of, wow, I mean, the voice, I don't think the body, the body was not real, but <laughs> the paint, the every, I mean, just everything of the, I'm going to say magnificent, magnificent, magnificent a lot in this episode because that's really what it is. There's no other way to describe how he held himself in that character of just the magnificence of being this very manly, beastly creature, but also very elegant and graceful almost in the way that he presented it. So when you're a child and you see that, you're like, oh my gosh, there's another side to life that is very tempting. This is interesting. Like, I wouldn't mind, you know, hanging out there, I guess. But I have to say my favorite part of the entire fucking movie, and it's towards the end, is when she is captured, not captured, but she's, ca she's captured by the goblin and the, like, warthog friend and all of that. And um, she is taken to darkness. I can't say it without thinking of... I just, I just can't stop thinking about Dave Chappelle. So... <laughs> Um, 
Rick James. That's what it is. The Rick James episode of Dave Chappelle when he calls Charlie Murphy darkness. Every time I say darkness, that's what I hear. Darkness. Every time. So, when she's taken to his lair, I guess, is that what you want to call call where where Satan would reside in a lair? Um, he, she is, she's awoken, she's taken, she wakes up and she sees the vanity of all of these, all of these trinkets and diamonds and necklaces. And all of a sudden, um, this classical music starts playing and this figure comes and this very gorgeous dress and it's completely blacked out. The face is blacked out. Whatever, whoever's dancing, uh, in this dress and all that, they have put a black shroud over their face, a glittery black shroud. May I add, everything's glittery where she is. I mean, everything has glitter on it and the creature or the, the figure starts dancing and it starts dancing around her. And then she gets into this, the, the feeling of dancing at first, she gets kind of scared. And she's kind of getting, trying to get away from the the figure, and then she starts dancing with the figure, and then all of a sudden, she becomes one with the figure. So it kind of it turns from this black figure in this outfit to her wearing the outfit, which is a fantastic outfit. I when I saw that when I was little, I was in ballet at the time, and even when I've been in dance, you know, on and off a long time in my life. I, even now, if someone were to approach me with that dress, I would freak out. I'd be like, oh my God, how did you know I wanted this dress? I wanted this dress since I was like five. Like, this is great. Um, it's a very low cut dress, but a very beautiful dress. I mean, the, the person, Mia Sarah, who plays Princess Lily in the movie, she is, um, she's very small chested. So it works for her. If someone was more busty, it would not work, but it's a very beautiful dress. It almost is very like, Alexander McQueen ish. Not that he direct, not that he actually made that dress, but it, it goes off of that. It's very, it's, it's very that type of couture type design. And of course, then when she, she starts, stops dancing, then darkness, Satan enters the picture and he's trying to explain to her that you're going to become my lady. I'll do anything for you. And it's always, I'll do anything for you. If you just become if I become, you know, your everything, I'll do anything you want as long as you buy to me. Like, I am your, you know, I am your everything. I am your all. And as, I mean, the way the movie ends is the only thing that I'm not really, I'm not really a big on. And I really don't love it. And it's just... It's kind of, it's kind of, it is corny how it ends. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, love saves all type of situation. And I'm actually not going to talk about the ending because I want everyone to go fucking watch this movie. I want everyone to see it. If you like Dark Crystal, if you love Labyrinth, there's no reason why you wouldn't love this movie. Labyrinth and Legend to me are two of the most amazing movies that came out of that time period. Legend was actually came out in 1985. And Labyrinth, I believe, came out in 1984. I will double check that, but as far as I know, that's what I'm, that's what I, 86. So there you go. You got 1985 was Legend, 1986 was Labyrinth. And these are two movies that are very, I wouldn't say similar in the storyline. They're not similar as, as that, but it is a bad, a very omnipotent like bad guy that is taking a young woman kind of for a ride a little bit. 
And then she ends up being the victor in the end. Um, and neither one of them really, the bad guys really die because they are these omnipotent type beings. So they're dead, but they're not really dead. You know, you kind of get the idea of, okay, we, we're, we've only conquered this battle, but we didn't win the war against this person. And so it kind of leaves you hanging on both. And we never really got any kind of, um, any kind of closure on either one of those movies. And that's, in my opinion, totally fine. They don't need closure. It doesn't need to have closure when it's a very powerful being. Obviously, you didn't kill them. You're a human. You're not going to kill this this type of being. So to leave it hanging, leave it hanging. Not all movies are supposed to be wrapped up with a little bow at the end. You're not supposed to be like, oh, good guys won. Yes. Like that's, I don't like that anyways, because that's not life. Life doesn't end every day with like, I won the battle today. Well, I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to be like, it's going to be another battle of good versus evil. No, that's just not how life is. Sometimes you get beaten down and you go home and you go to bed and you fall asleep, bawling your eyes out because life, it does not work like that. And I don't think all movies should work like that either. That's why I was kind of excited with the Avengers movie when it didn't end, not the newest one, but when it didn't end, when Thanos did kill all these people and that's how it ended. My kids were very upset and I was like, fuck that. That's awesome. First of all, that means there's a second one. And two, I don't want it to end perfectly. I don't like it when movies end perfectly. That's boring. That's very boring. You kind of, to me, everyone's like, oh, that's great. I'm like, no, I, what? No, I mean, that's not how it is. I want it to be a, a little bit. Of, I want it to hang a little bit. I want me to have to think about it. I don't want to not think once I walk out of the movie. I want to keep thinking about it. So, I mean, I want it to be thought provoking. I don't necessarily want to sit there and just, you know, stare at a screen. And then when it's over, it's over. And I'm done talking about it or done thinking about it. No, I want to keep talking about it. And Legend has been one of those movies for me that I've always talked about. I've always, you know, I will never stop talking about that movie because it is so amazing. Tim Curry did such a great job. I believe it took five hours to do his makeup every day. And for him, that was in the, the, the horns that they had at first were, were even so heavy. It was ridiculous. So they had to actually make them hollow, but they were still so heavy. Um, because really Scott is the one that directed it and he didn't want to deviate from, he didn't want to make it too, too unrealistic and a not in an unrealistic type to- topic, really. Um, so he, there were certain things that, and a lot of people love Ridley Scott because he has done so many great movies. I was not even aware until years ago that he had even directed it. And then the soundtrack is amazing. It's, you know, it really is all around an amazing movie. And if you have not seen it yet, please, please just try to see it. Look it up. I believe, um, you can watch it. I mean, you can watch it anywhere. Uh, I know it's on Prime. I know you have to pay for it on Prime. I actually have. Um, it was on YouTube TV. And I have recorded it. So it was on like Showtime or something at one point as well. And also on HBO at one time. I don't think it's still on there now. But it's, it is such a great movie that I don't understand why some people haven't seen it. I thought it was kind of like a staple at one point. Um, of, uh, just us being from that era, you know, people that were born when I was, I just thought that was a movie that everyone watched. I thought everyone had seen it 
And I guess not. Cause when I do bring it up, people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't know what, what's going on. So there is a song on the, I mean, the whole soundtrack was done by Tangerine Dream who have done a lot of different movies as well since then too. And there is a song on, on the, on the soundtrack is your love strong enough and it's sung by brian ferry which of course just that alone and makes it great but the guitar is by david gilmore of pink floyd fame or you can say canon if you want so that song alone is great and actually uh trent reznor and his wife i think this was several several years ago did a remake of it or a cover I guess you could say a cover of that song and it is really she's got an amazing she's got a very beautiful voice very haunting voice and it's it's slower than the original but it's still really good it is very beautifully haunting and that almost makes it even better in a lot of ways but it is a great movie please watch it if you love Tim Curry you will love that movie I can't speak highly enough about it. And again, yes, there are some parts of the movie that are a little corny, a little cheesy, but again, give it up for the fact it was made in 1985. And there are some parts of it that I was watching with Jared. Actually, I was watching it like a couple days ago to do research for this. And I'm like, oh my God. And we kind of turned each other like, this was made in 1985. It's kind of some of the, the, the special effects and stuff was a little groundbreaking for the time. I'm, I, we were both like, wow, 1985? That's really good. That's kind of surprising that it was that good in, in, in some of those ways. So I think what I'm going to do next episode for Tim Curry is I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do more, um, much more research than I just did for this episode. This was more just from the heart, from the soul, from my child, my childhood, my child mind. This was more just a passion episode, just showing you how much I fucking love this movie. It was something that terrified the living shit out of me as a child. And really looking back on watching it, it wasn't that great. He was great in it, yes. But the special effects in the ending was not very good. So I will discuss that as well. And it's not, like I said, it's not Tim Curry that, that I have the problem with in that at all. Not even close. And I might even kind of tip on a little bit into the new It's, the new It 1 and It 2. Because I love those too. I saw both of those in the theater with my son, my youngest, because he's the horror fanatic like me. Or my oldest, not so much. Doesn't really like horror. So I'm going to do it for the next episode. Again, if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, please don't forget to put a review in. And so you, and also, you know, subscribe and follow so you can get notifications, letting you know of next episodes. I'm also thinking about putting in a little bit of a link because I know there are ways to put like a link in for forms. So if you guys have suggestions, I will definitely look into those and I will definitely do more episodes on what you guys are liking more and more. I also had a suggestion that I know a lot of people actually liked and have listened to my Anthony Bourdain podcast. And I did have someone suggest that maybe I should do more episodes on mental health and, and also personally an episode about my journey with mental health and with suicidal tendencies and suicidal thoughts and self-harm and eating disorders. So I'm thinking about doing that. That's probably going to take me some time to get that kind of put together because I am almost 38 years old and I've been dealing with this for a very long time. 
but I want to do that. And I also want to discuss other people that I, you know, severely have looked up to and they've had the same problems that I've had. And a lot of us have had growing up with mental illness and suicidal thoughts and self-harm and things of that nature. So that's also another topic that got up to me that brought, got up, brought up to me that would, that is something that I should do as well. And I'm going to definitely uh, look, you know, start taking notes and researching and probably also looking through journals of mine and kind of getting myself more acclimated of how I have thought in the past and how I think now, because it's dramatically different, of course, which it should be. I mean, you should think differently than you did when you were in your twenties, when you were in your late thirties and you should think differently in your late thirties than you did when you were a teenager. If I didn't, I would be asking you guys to commit me because that would be ridiculous. I don't have donkey brain, so I shouldn't continue to have donkey brain like when I was in my four, when I was 14, 15, right? So um, I just want to do this episode real quick and I will go ahead and start doing my research for it because it is going to be, it is going to be a very, um, probably I'm going to have to do more research just because there's so much detail into that because it was a mini series. It was a multiple episode series and it was a mini series. So there's multiple episodes and there's now there's multiple movies that have been remade and it's also a novel. So I have, I'm going to have to do a little bit more deep diving into it. Like I said, this was more of a passion episode than it was an actual research dive in deep into something episode, but the Tim Curry one with it will be more. And also I will be doing more about mental health and into the, uh, artists that have also dealt with the same issues as, as, uh, as some, as a lot of us have as well. And if you have ideas about what artists you love and have touched you, um, with their life and also, you know, their legacy and with their death, I would love to hear it. So thank you so much, guys. Have a great Monday. Bye-bye.